Welcome back to Double Feature, the IDS film podcast where the powers that be let us in a podcast booth to give you hot takes and maybe some lukewarm ones too. I'm Annie Aguiar. And I'm Chris Forrester, and boy do we have some hot takes for you today. <laughs> Generally speaking, faith-based films suck. They're pandering, flat, and more often than not, completely derivative. Rarely do filmmakers have the verve or courage to tackle the nuances of such a complicated subject. But on this week's episode of Double Feature, we're looking at two completely different films that do. 2011's Best Picture nominated The Tree of Life, and 2018's Best Picture snubbed First Reformed. So, (laughs) Annie, um, I think that you probably disagree with any implication there that The Tree of Life is a good movie. Yeah, I hated it. Tell me why. It was so boring. I, I, You just opened your mouth like you were about to say something, but no, it's my turn. The Tree of Life is a garbage movie for garbage people. It is pretentious. It is, it, it's pretentious, but it also manages to be, like, it's the most dull thing, second most dull, behind Monrovia, Indiana. Podcast fans. <laughs> no, that's a movie we dunked on earlier. We did not enjoy Monrovia, Indiana. This movie is horrid. It is part boyhood, part nature documentary, part Kubrick, and those three parts do not go together well at all. I, I have so many different things that I thought were bad if you had a particular... Okay, no. Um, the acting was... Mm can't really call it acting they were just in the movie what a waste what a waste of resources if you're going to pay to have i feel like the only actors who like pulled their pay grade in that movie were i was jessica chastain (laughs) jessica chastain is the only good part of that movie because she's amazing and everything okay before i just laundry list of criticisms Uh, if you don't know what the tree of life is even or what tree of life is sorry chris could you tell so The Tree of Life is Terrence Malick's movie from 2011. It's hard to really put into words because it's very experimental. <laughs> um, it's sort of the apex of this part of his career where he was really like breaking from traditional narrative and like traditional me- modes of filmmaking. But essentially it's about this man reflecting on his relationship with God as he remembers his upbringing in 1950s Texas. Um, but Except it's, it's, like, not about that, though. It's also about, like, all of the universe and, like, universal human experiences and God and heaven and nature and coping with all of that. You know, I would say spoilers, but stories don't matter in this movie, I guess. At one point, it just cuts from the main plot line to just space footage for, like, a good 15 minutes, Um, There's like 10 minutes of space as it's sort of like reflecting on the creation of the universe and Earth. And then there's like another 10 minutes of like the birth of life on Earth up through the dinosaurs. Just wordless nothing. For the record, even though Annie is dunking on this movie as if she is the foremost Terrence Malick expert. This was her first first Terrence Malick movie. She was on her phone half the time. She it didn't pull, she rated it didn't pull me she rated in. it one and a half stars on Letterboxd before we were even at an hour into the movie. You know what? And you know what? It was one and a half stars. That extra star was out of charity. And this is generally a though it's divisive. It is regarded by a great many people as one of the best films ever made and of the um, of the twenty first century. I believe it was 
um, Sight and Sound, which is like a, a survey of a lot of like mm-hmm. really well-known film critics, they put it in their like top 50 movies of all time. Good, good for them. They're wrong. I um, believe that film is beautiful because it is deeply subjective. And <laughs> I think that you either have it in you to be patient enough to love a Terrence Malick movie or like Annie, you completely don't. But I think this movie is like a work of magic every single time from like the opening whispers and the opening frames of the movie. Yeah. If you like people whispering obscure stuff, if you like people just whispering, no actual like meaning behind it. If you just like the suggestion of meaning as done through like this medium that's trying to make everything look as artistic as possible with the orchestral music and oh, it's space. It if you show me space and play orchestra, that doesn't make it deep. I'm sorry, it's not a good movie. It is. And it's a great are, film. Okay, I don't subscribe I think the worst, to groupthink. I think the, I can have the, my own opinions, Christopher. <laughs> I think the worst movie take you can possibly have is to come at a piece of well-regarded art and say. Here's why everyone who hates this is objectively wrong. Or I, who, everyone who likes this movie is objectively wrong. Am about I it. not allowed to dislike a thing? You can, but I I'm think saying that I'm saying the reasons that I disliked the movie, the pacing, huh, was it even moving at a pace? I don't call stasis movement. Nothing. It's not stasis. Are you sure? We moved through the creation of the universe and the planet Earth. Is and that for stasis? what? And for what? There was no like, okay, the other movie we're going to talk about I actually really, really liked because it looks at these kind of grander questions and actually brings you through exploring a concept and a thought. This doesn't. It just is for the sake of being. And I really <laughs> hated it. And I know it was pretty. And there were certainly parts of it that I recognized did have merit. But I wish I hadn't watched it. It was so long and so dull and so if you're going to be that long and you're going to try to tackle those lofty subjects, have something to say other than like grace is cool. Like, you know what? If you're going to show me a movie where the moral is you need to love people. I already saw it. It's Paddington 2 and it's far better than Tree of Life. I don't think that's I don't think it has anything as simple as. You need to love people. Are you sure? I because I think it's a very simple moral dressed up in some fancy stuff. Thanks, Terry. I, I think got it's it. a pretty autobiographical exploration of some of his ideas about faith. Um, but And it, it's also, I think, the most interesting movie he's ever made by a long shot. And he's made some really, really great movies. It's sort of, um, he came onto the scene with, Badlands, which I haven't seen, and Days of Heaven, which is a pretty, like, traditional narrative film. Um, And then as his career progressed, he sort of started to break from traditional narratives. He started to shoot more on digital with more of his, like, flowing, moving camera, which I think is stunning, especially in this movie. Um, Just didn't like it. He began to gravitate more towards, like, dialogue-free... meditations on things than like traditional I'm going to tell you a story Um, and the further that he got down that sinkhole the more people jumped ship but I think generally speaking most people who've seen who are like familiar with his movies would call this his best one I think I don't care about consensus perfect Hmm. I think it's gorgeous I think it's moving I think that 
I think it's pretty, but because it's dealing with stuff that is so like lofty and subject material that the supposed moments of human emotion where you're supposed to really, it's supposed to hit you, don't land for me because I can't care about your personal suffering if it's dialogueless with orchestral music in the backdrop and it just seems so detached. It seems stilted and strange except for when it's the beautiful glimpses at life, you know? Like, I think the single best shot of this movie is Brad Pitt, who plays the father in the family, walking with the son and, like, they have the feet. Yeah. That's that's... the sweetest. That's the best part of the movie. That is the one shot that slightly redeemed this for me. I walked into this wanting to like this movie because I like to like things that I can... walked into this wanting to hate this movie. No. She told me the day before we watched it, I think I'm going to hate this. Because we started to watch it and I fell asleep because I didn't like it. Because it was 2 a.m. No. Yeah. It was earlier than that. Anyway... I, Anywho, this I, is. Can I finish my no, statement, Christopher? No. no. <laughs> I wanted to wa- I wanted to like this movie, because I like movies that I'm a fan of that I can then be a jerk about to other people. Just like, oh, are you a Malik fan? Tree of Life is gorgeous. I wanted to be that jerk, talking down condescendingly, but I can't. I can't fake it because this movie is garbage, and I don't understand why people like it. <laughs> I think that No, no, no. Not that I don't understand. No, no, no. I, I get it. I get it. I just I think, think it's you don't dumb. get it. I think that it's one of those movies that, like, I think that I can put words to and then completely come up short because it, to me at least, so brilliantly juxtaposes the, like, personal against the universal. And, like, I understand why it's, like, difficult to get invested in because he wants the story of this family to both be, like, an intimate look at this one specific family, but also this sort of, like, grandiose stand-in for, like, these are experiences that are universal, the way that, like, our parents shape us, the way that we learn to accept our place in the world and in the universe and in, like, reality. The movie you're describing sounds like it would have been great. He just didn't do a good job of making it. The Tree of Life, and it's not only the best Terrence Malick film, but it's one of my favorite movies. (sighs) I think it's brilliant, and I've seen it so many times, and every time I feel like I come away with it, I come away from it um, still surprised at how good it is. Mm. So, watch The Tree of Life, make up your mind. Don't watch The Tree of Life. Definitely watch The Tree of Life. It's only two hours and like 20-some minutes. I want those. It's a little on the long side. I want that time back. She woke up on the wrong side of the bed this no, morning. No, I didn't. I just Speaking of it. waking up on the wrong side of the bed, our other movie is <laughs> sort of an entire film about existentially waking up on the wrong side of the bed. First Reformed, the recent um, Paul Schrader film starring Ethan Hawke, mm-hmm. is about a pastor at this church in upstate New York that... No one goes there. It's sort of run down. Well, not necessarily run down, but it's been neglected in favor of this more commercial church. And essentially, it's about this crisis of faith that stems from an interaction he has with a woman who goes there whose husband wants her to abort their unborn child because he can't cope with bringing a child into a world that is as devastated as ours is. He's an environmentalist. He is an environmentalist. I liked this movie. This movie is (laughs) great. I, God, I'm so happy that one of these movies ended up being amazing. This movie is now on my, like, list of favorite movies. I've always thought Ethan Hawke was a bit, like, you know, not there. 
as an actor, like kind of cheesy. I think he often gets typecast. Oh, of course. Taffy then... has a great Ethan Hawke profile. Taffy Ackner has a great Ethan Hawke profile, by the way. But Yeah, but then in the few roles that he lands in that either like fit his type perfectly or mm-hmm. deviate from it perfectly, like this one, he's so good. He's, he's amazing, amazing in this. this. He's amazing in the before movies, and he's amazing in Boyhood. Okay. Um, I This movie is gorgeous. It's so well written. Isn't this one of the only, like, just since we were talking about Oscar noms last episode, um, one of the only ones that was nominated for Best Original Screenplay but not for Best Picture? Yes. This movie was criminally overlooked. Yeah. I think this is a film that works on every level. And mm-hmm. so I'm really disappointed it was shut out of the Oscars because not only does it deserve a nod for Best Picture and Best Director, um, it deserves the screenplay nod that it got for yeah. sure. Um, Paul Schrader, who is sort of a legendary screenwriter, he wrote a lot of Martin Scorsese films, including Taxi Driver. Raging Bull. Um, yeah, I've never seen either of those. But it also deserves a lot of craft nominations. Yes. Like, I've, the I've, cinematography mm-hmm. is gorgeous. Every shot, like, most of the shots in this movie, I was watching it, and I was like, these all look like Dutch oil paintings, like, beautiful and stark and like kind of dark but still rich in color yeah like just gorgeous and i think i think often with films that are so like compulsively beautiful that like where every shot looks like a painting mm-hmm. i kind of get frustrated and i'm like you're just aestheticizing but here like it contributes to such a mood yeah because it this old church that ethan hawk is the priest at is this beautiful historic thing but it's just it's so desolate. It's empty. It's sad. Yeah. Like Ethan Hawke. Yes. Ethan Hawke is so good at being sad. I also think that this movie is so good because it's so simple. Yeah. It takes such a complicated set of ideas and it approaches them from such a simple perspective to where it's just like willing to have two characters sit in a room and discuss something. And yeah. often that tends to be frustrating, I think. Where you, when you can feel like the characters are just mouthpieces for the movie's ideas, but because it's situated this like crisis that it's mm-hmm. exploring, like as the main character arc of Ethan Hawke's character, yeah. it really works. It's done so well and it's written so well. You're never like, oh, they're just like burp, 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 at each other. Yeah, you know, it's just gorgeous. Will God forgive us? Will God forgive us? That's sort of the central question of the movie. A question yeah. that. Um, is even featured in the movie in probably one of the more heavy-handed scenes. Yeah. I think objectively you could maybe lob some pretty fair criticisms at this movie that it's a little bit self-serious, but it's also tackling something really, really, Self- really grave. Self-serious, huh? Yes. Let's talk about the tree of life again. No. <laughs> it's, it's, this movie is a such a good discussion and treatment of this question because that question is so deserving of something this grave you know it's so vital that will god forgive us for destroying his creation the earth well but it's also such a nuanced exploration of that because Mm -hmm. you have the relationship between these two churches the old school church which it's addressed was a hiding place for slaves on the underground railroad so that sort of alludes to the fact that you know Christianity has in the past been a tool tool for change and a positive thing. But then there's this more commercialized, um, money-driven church that everyone goes to. Also, side note, the guy from the money-driven church, which is called Abundant Life, is Cedric the Entertainer. And he does such a good job. Yeah, he's he is really good in this movie. He's amazing in this movie. 
And the wife of the environmentalist is Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried. Who really, honestly, has not aged in the no. last, like, three decades. Um, she looks so... But she's amazing in this. Like, ugh. And it, I think also, like The Tree of Life, this is a movie that really looks and feels and moves like no other. Yeah. You watch it, and initially I think it can be a bit off-putting just because it is a more traditional narrative film, but the way that it's directed and how slow and, like, bleak and almost spooky it is yeah. is so unique. It's really surprising that, like, Schrader is known for his screenwriting primarily, and then he has this directorial ability just yeah. in him. Well, and he's, I've seen one of his other movies, Mishima, yeah. which is nothing like this. Okay. That movie's like bonkers and off the wall and like stylistically in your face. It's yeah. an interesting movie. It's a biopic about an author, but large chunks of it are adaptations of his short stories instead okay. of about him. Um, but this is very like stripped down and bare bones yeah. of what's essential. But <sighs> there are also some huge 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 shocks yeah and we won't spoil them but please watch it it's on like... amazon prime yeah there you go um the ending yeah do you like the ending yes i loved the ending. the ending is sort of divisive because it's a huge startling break from what's come before and i think honestly the first time i watched this movie I was a little bit let down initially by the mm-hmm. ending until I thought about it and it sat with me and I realized how brilliant it was. I loved it. I loved it. Another thing, I don't want to talk too much about the ending because you just need to see it, but I mean, I think the statement is you will have an opinion on it if you watch this movie. Um, one of the things about this movie that I really appreciated is how short it is. It's not even that short. It's, it's like less than two hours. That's not short to me. 90 minutes is short to me. All of your favorite movies are like three hours long. I know. But but if I'm going to sit down and watch a movie, I'm going to pick a 90-minute one that I haven't seen over a three-hour one that I haven't seen. Anyway, it's less than two hours, and it's the type of movie where when you hear it described, you're ready for it to be like, oh, two hours and 50 minutes. And then someone's like, oh, it's 112 minutes or whatever. And you're like, wow, good, go for them. You know, they, they yeah, and I, I think it's The concision and the like purpose of vision in this movie is something I really appreciate. I think it's a testament to just how brilliant the screenplay is is that it's able to t- to tackle so much, to say all of that so well, and to do it in under two hours. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. You know, you say what you want to say, and then you go. Yeah. Something really? Terrence Malick could learn. Oh, my God. <laughs> really, really great film. Yeah. We both love this one. Yay for consensus. Love consensus, except no, I don't, and I will still form my own opinions. Well. Anyway. I would I would say that both of the films that we talked about, in my opinion, are completely singular, really brilliant, and absolutely worth checking out. I wouldn't. Well, <laughs> that's your loss. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Double Feature. I've been Chris. I am Annie. And next week we will be talking about Roma and Itumama Tambien, two films by... Alfonso Cuaron, one of which is nominated for Best Picture. Alfonso!